Hello, and welcome to Home Equity Bank's Mindful Money Podcast. My name is Steve Ranson, and for 20 years, I've been the CEO of Home Equity Bank. We're a federally regulated bank that specializes in helping Canadians, age 55 or older, release the equity they built in their homes. That money can then be spent any way you want, on renovations, travel, helping other family members, buying a home, or reducing debt. And as a bank, we have only one product, reverse mortgages. But it's a financial tool that can and should be incorporated into any conversation about long-term financial planning. With this podcast series, we want to talk about many of the broader issues that affect the financial well-being of Canadians. Managing debt, healthcare options, financial planning, real estate trends, and the impact of demographic shifts on the economy. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Home Equity Bank's Mindful Money Podcast. I'm Deirdre McMurdy. Today, we're speaking with Associate Professor at Sauter School of Business at UBC and the Director of the UBC Centre for Urban Economics and Real Estate, Tom Davidoff. Hello. Hi, there. Thank you for having me. Now, Tom, is there one overarching trend that's apparent in the Canadian housing market right now, or are the regional distinctions really the most relevant? Well, uh, a lot of people live uh, in and around Toronto, and a somewhat smaller number live in and around Vancouver. And in those markets, we have seen tremendous price growth. You know, people who who had middle-class lives with middle-class homes are now sitting on, you know, uh, into the millions of dollars of home equity uh, as they enter retirement. Uh, that creates a bit of a tension because you've got kids who uh, don't have access to that equity uh, and are looking to get into the market. So Toronto and Vancouver have just this extreme price growth, which is great for some people, uh, not so great for others. The rest of Canada uh, largely has seen healthy price growth. Obviously, Calgary uh, with the energy sector has had some ups and downs recently, Atlantic Canada. Uh, sort of perpetually in the doldrums, uh, picks up now and again. Montreal, there seems to be some luxury interest and uh, with continued immigration into Canada. And I think it's act together economically. I think, you know, Montreal may be an interesting market going forward. There's been endless speculation about whether or not this is a bubble. And, you know, a lot of people say it looks like a bubble, smells like a bubble, acts like a bubble, must be a bubble. But is that, in fact, your view? Well, that's an interesting question. There's no doubt that people, while they've done fantastically well owning a home, you know, over the, the course of middle age, face a lot of uncertainty over just how much money they're going to have. And that's true in Toronto, where we saw a boom turn into a bit of a bust. In Metro Vancouver, we've seen the market for single family homes uh, slow down off of some just spectacular growth. Meanwhile, condos are now reaching prices that are beginning to smell a little unrealistic. So there is certainly the risk of a correction. That said, whenever you're in a housing market where there's always going to be demand, like near downtown Toronto, anywhere near the west side of Vancouver, uh, and with I think we can expect continued immigration of rich and talented people from all over the world to Canada. I think there's a world in which these markets uh, that are in high demand, where it's hard to build, uh, are likely to see continued rent growth and, and, and prices uh, may get to the point where rents have caught up. Uh, so it's, it's possible there'll be a crash, but, but far from a certainty. 
The markets I worry more about are in the so-called drive-to-qualify markets, particularly around Toronto, because if you're in a place where it's easy to build, uh, you run the risk that supply will catch up to the very overheated demand eventually and prices come back down uh, from, from prices well above what it costs to build homes. So unless there's a story that what you've got is hard to replace, you generally shouldn't be too far away from what it costs to build a house. You alluded earlier on in your remarks to the fact that, you know, it's a little harder to get on the property ladder, that younger people are having a little more of a struggle. Now, politically, of course, homeownership's always, well, at least traditionally, been a priority. But is it time maybe to start managing expectations for the millennial generation? I mean, is homeownership perhaps something that not everyone should automatically aspire to? Well, you know, in a place like Vancouver, and to a lesser extent Toronto, what you're buying when you buy a house is obviously you're avoiding paying rent for the next few years, and then you're also prepaying rent for the rest of your life. The problem is uh, the home is going to outlast you, or certainly the land will, and you're buying the value of rents way out into the future. In markets where rents are going to grow probably above inflation, and in an environment these days where interest rates are very close to what we expect inflation to be, and sometimes even lower, uh, that makes homes extremely valuable. Those future dividends are extremely valuable right now, and the number of households that have the uh, down payment and the income to pay for all those future benefits uh, may shrink over time. Now, turning to a very specific demographic cohort, uh, what are the implications of a market like this or the one you've described for seniors? I mean, a lot of them do have debt that they previously didn't carry in other generations. But as you said, they've accumulated these significant gains on the real estate side. So how does that balance out? And and what is your view on uh, where it goes from here? Well, for me as a uh, researcher uh, who spent a lot of time thinking about both aging and how to manage your portfolio uh, in an aging household and real estate markets, we have a very interesting experiment because one thing we know, especially from American data and Canadian data, which, which looks pretty similar, is older homeowners are very reluctant to part with their homes. And that seems puzzling because sometimes you have people on pretty limited incomes and low financial wealth but sitting on a lot of home equity. Obviously, Vancouver is the poster child uh, for a market that looks like that. And usually, we, we don't see older homeowners responding to the financial incentive either to sell their house uh, and either rent or trade down to something smaller to free up all that home equity to support retirement spending, uh, to either sell and do it that way or to take a reverse mortgage like CHIP offers. In the Vancouver market, we certainly have seen recently the so-called halfers. They sell their house, they take half their money uh, and put it into a home, say, on Vancouver Island, where prices have not grown so far so fast, and the other half uh, goes to spending in the stock market, often also to help their kids make that down. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Is that something else that we're seeing that that parents are helping, I guess, either their children or their grandchildren to, to get on, uh, to get into the real estate market? Yeah, a local realtor, Bob Rennie, likes to point out the number, and I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's striking. I think it's into the maybe hundreds of billions of dollars of uh, home equity that older house, well, not even old, but, you know, uh, nearing retirement age households around Vancouver are sitting on. 
And that money is definitely getting recycled uh, through home equity loans or sales of homes to uh, investment in real estate. And that can be through a down payment uh, directly given to their children or buying investment properties. And when you ask people, well, why did you buy an investment property in Vancouver? Uh, a lot of times the answer is, well, my kid's in school now, but I want them to have a place when they get out. What about this resistance to selling the home or, you know, taking a home equity line of credit or a reverse mortgage? What is that sort of residual psychological barrier? And is there any evidence that it's starting to erode a little bit? Well, again, we are seeing households move, so I think we're seeing erosion in that dimension. You know, the province of British Columbia has something a lot like a reverse mortgage, which says if you're over 55, you don't have to pay your property tax now. You can defer the property tax and pay it back with interest when you move or sell your home. That looks a lot like the reverse mortgages chip offers. And as, as I understand it, demand for that product is growing. More seniors uh, are deferring property taxes that may be growing along with their property values. Uh, but, but the psychological barrier, there is just a few, you know, the greatest generation, the people who grew up in the Depression, uh, those were the people we knew as older homeowners, and, and, and they saw their parents losing their homes in the Depression, losing everything. And I think a lot of them just had an innate view that you don't get yourself into further debt uh, as, you, as you age. Very important to pay off the mortgage and, and, and a sort of feeling that that was riskless. And then there's a rational view. For a lot of households, they face risks. You know, you, don't, you never know what's going to happen with your kids. You hope they do well in life, but they don't all do well in life. Uh, you may get sick and want to be in a attractive um, nursing home uh, that may not be supported by uh, what the government offers in terms of payments. So having emergency stockpile of cash in the form of a house makes some sense. Uh, but for a lot of households, we're seeing uh, liquidating that home equity makes quite a bit of sense, too. And how well have policymakers sort of coped with all these sort of conflicting forces as they bump up against one another in the real estate sector? Uh, I mean, we've seen rates just starting to firm a little bit more recently, and there have been some other sort of interventions at the provincial level. What's your take on that? Well, uh, you know, I think the big issue we have here uh, in B.C., and I think Toronto has a similar issue, is we've got real estate that is tremendous value that isn't going anywhere. Meanwhile, we've got an economy with wages that are not as strong in B.C. as Toronto, and obviously both Vancouver and Toronto would like stronger employment sectors. And the way you get there is you raise property taxes. The real estate's not going anywhere. Most of the value's in the land. And you cut taxes on uh, income and sales taxes. That would make people struggling to get into the housing market have more money. And as you mentioned, uh, puts them in a better perspective to rent housing. It transfers money from people sitting on a lot of housing wealth uh, to people working for a living. So I think going forward, that's a direction the government's going to have to move in. Obviously, both provinces have implemented foreign buyer taxes. There's pros and cons to that approach. There's just the optics. Do we really want to say we're anti-foreign? Uh, and then there's the issue of can people hide their identity, maybe buy through a corporation or a relative who lives in the market and avoid paying that foreign buyer tax. So uh, I think we've seen the beginnings of action on the demand side. Uh, and hopefully we'll see a bit more sensible tax policy. Uh, then you come to the supply side, and, you know, uh, obviously people who, who grew up in the 60s, 50s, 70s, what have you, are used to the idea of, well, when you're an older person, you ought to have a single-family home with a yard. 
in a place like the west side of Vancouver or um, anywhere close to uh, Bay Street in Toronto, that's just not an appropriate form of housing. The land's too valuable, and you need to put it to better use with townhomes and apartments. And what we see a lot at the local level is the struggle between uh, baby boomers uh, and other seniors who want to see their neighborhood stay the way it is, and younger households who feel like if they're going to be able to get in, it needs to be in townhomes or apartment buildings. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your views. Great conversation. Thanks again. Oh, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.